Hello, and welcome back to Good Works in the Heartland podcast. I am Lori Kessinger, and after a short COVID-19 related break where we were all struggling to figure out how this is all going to work, we are back. The next several shows are programs and interviews with people across the heartland doing good works that uh, were held before COVID-19 and the stay-at-home orders. We will be revising this program differently, so if you are listening and want to be a part of our show virtually, uh, let us know. Call 785-864-4625 or email to reader at ku.edu and let us know you would like to participate in this podcast. Anyone doing good works in the heartland is eligible. This podcast features representatives from Ability KC and the Falling Forward Foundation. It was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Hello and welcome to the Good Works in the Heartland podcast. I am Lori Kessinger, Audio Readers Outreach Coordinator. And today I have two guests with me. We have Michelle Teets from Ability KC and Sam Porritt from Falling Forward. And would you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, your name and title? And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your No, that was great. Yes, I am Michelle Teets and I am the lead case manager with Ability KC. And I'm Sam Porritt. Uh, I'm founder of a nonprofit organization called Falling Forward Foundation. And the reason you both are here is that your organizations work very closely together. So um, while we probably could talk about each for for quite a while, we're going to talk about your shared partnership. So Michelle, would you begin and tell everybody what Ability KC does in in general, um, where you're located and some of the services that you offer, and then we'll switch to Sam. Right. Well, and I'll start and let you know that our mission is to build brighter futures for children and adults with disabilities. And we do that by providing comprehensive educational, vocational, and therapeutic services. We are located in the greater Kansas City area across three metro locations for our outpatient medical rehabilitation, therapeutic preschool, and employment services. And we have three additional locations to include um, St. Joseph, Warrensburg, and Sedalia, which are dedicated to our employment services. And Sam? Yeah, so um, Falling Forward, uh, the mission of Falling Forward is we help people um, recover to their full potential. And during our discussion today, we'll probably talk about that concept of full potential quite a bit. But... um, It really hinges on how much rehab people receive, and that's an issue that many people don't know about or understand until tragedy of some type strikes, and they're admitted to rehab, and then they learn that there are limits on how much rehab they're going to get. And that's where Falling Forward steps in. That's uh, why we created Falling Forward to address that issue. And so the mission statement for Falling Forward... Um, helping people recover to their full, full potential. potential. Okay. Yep, yep. And uh, reversing disability uh, and turning it into ability, which you know, ties to the right, name to of our ability partner Casey. here, mm-hmm. Ability Casey. Yes. Right. Yep. So we usually go into like your challenges and your successes, but I think the story you were telling me and how you two came to, or how you came to part, falling forward, came to partner with Ability KC is probably a place to start with sure. um, a, a success story or, or an origin story sure. more than sure. more than anything. Yeah. So the origin um, goes back to my own personal I- experience. So uh, in 2011, 
I had an injury. Um, my wife and I were on vacation in Italy. I lost my balance while taking a photograph. I fell off a 15-foot wall. So kind of went from this moment of bliss, you know, on vacation to moment of tragedy. Um, I hit the ground and I had a spinal cord injury and I was paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, I had emergency surgery. I was in ICU and in the hospital in Italy for a couple weeks, then returned to the United States and I was admitted to uh, KU Med. But when I really began my rehab journey, um, doing physical therapy and occupational therapy to, you know, try and get my body to recover, and I was admitted to Ability KC, they looked at our insurance policy and said, you have this very unique policy we've not seen before. And I think, as I mentioned to you, I, of course, assumed that meant something bad. And by the grace of God, it meant something good, right? They looked at our insurance policy, and for whatever reason, it didn't have a limit on rehab services. And I said, okay, great. Uh, you know, I assume that that's what insurance is for is when tragedy strikes, it's there to take care of you. And they said, well, you know, sadly, most insurance policies have a limit on rehab. Long story short, a couple years later, uh, I, I started falling forward to address that issue of people not getting enough rehab because their insurance stops paying for the rehab and sends them home with disabilities that could have been corrected. And so when I mentioned earlier about our mission saying helping people recover to their full potential, most people don't reach their full potential of recovery because their insurance does stop paying for their, their rehab. So they maybe could have walked better or they maybe could have talked better or been able to cook or go back to work or, you know, so many things that we all take for granted. But when some freak accident happens, when you have a car accident and have a brain injury or you have a stroke or, you know, all these terrible things that happen to people every day um, and you need a lot of rehab, insurance will only pay for so much. And then wherever you are at that point is kind of as good as you're going to get. And in my case, that wasn't the case, right, of because of this fluke in our insurance, I got all the rehab I needed. I walk again. I, you know, live a full life. And I saw this and I thought, this is really wrong. It's really unfair. And so we're a nonprofit organization. We raise money that pays for people's rehab when their insurance stops paying. So what is the typical average rehab that most people get and how long what was your rehab in, in, you know, in comparison, but Michelle, what's the traditional? No, that's a great question because the majority of our patients do come from an inpatient rehab facility. So we do see them post-acute um, and our specialty is the neurological rehab. So people who have had a traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury, or stroke, that is the majority of the patients that we see. And oftentimes when we get them, you know, we're looking at their insurance and, and unfortunately, and sadly, so often I see where their plan limit is 20 visits. You know, it does not matter if they had a knee replacement, which, no, our patients did not just have a knee replacement. They had something very traumatic happen in their life that nobody's ever expecting. And so we have to 
be good stewards of that therapy benefit and say, how do we maximize 20 visits? You know, sometimes we'll, we may start out at five times a week and I, and, and I'm, I'm the bean counter. I'm always, you know, calling out how many visits we have left. And then we collectively, the, the entire rehab team are always talking about, okay, so how can we stretch this out? Let's see them three times a week. How long can we see them three times a week? And, and along with that, we're training the patient and their support system, their families, extended family, friends, on what can they be doing on the days that they're not in therapy. Um, because we want to make those 20 visits or whatever, however number of visits we have stretch out as long as we can. But really, at the end of the day, when those 20 visits are over, sadly, they still they still may have so much more potential. And this is this would be rehab for speech therapy, for physical yes. therapy, and that's all within that 20 visits. Like you said with your example of a knee replacement, you just need physical therapy. You need to move your knee right. more progressively. But if you have an, a, a traumatic injury, you've got s- several therapies, but it's not 20 per. So you're, so you're actually there getting speech therapy and physical therapy all at the same time. True, true. And, you know, with every insurance company, it's a little different. Uh, we get excited when, okay, one day is one visit, so then they can have. Mm. So the, so they usually come to us, um, ideally, Monday through Friday, 9 to 4, and they're still going home at night. But during <coughs> the day, they're receiving physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, as you said. But then we also have therapy groups where they are participating in exercise group. Um, We have a spirituality group that someone can choose to participate in. We have yoga, mindfulness, a warm-up group, um, because, you know, we're trying to maximize everything that they're doing in that one hour of each discipline and, and work on carrying that over. How many people do continue on, like, private pay? I'm assuming that's probably not very... Once the insurance stops paying, probably prohibitive for people to continue. It can be, but that is one thing I love about working for a not-for-profit is that we do have our own financial application that they can go through to see what they might qualify for. But then the other thing to know that we have is the Following Forward Foundation Therapy Scholarship that can help bridge for additional therapies because that's really what... I think, and Sam, so, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but what, what you have in mind for this is for those patients who they have a benefit, but it's just not enough for, for what they need. And you serve all, all ages, and the following yes. forward would be eligible for all ages also? Yeah. So it, you asked earlier, and I want to go back sure. to it and, and really put things in perspective. Michelle and her team at Ability KC, and, it, and this is true of all the rehab centers we work with, they really do, as she said, make the most of whatever the insurance benefit is. If it's 20 visits or if it's 30 visits or whatever it is, they make the most of it. My term would be they're the, they're the good guys, right? But the bad guys, the insurance companies who are putting the limits on the rehab, those 20 visits or 30 visits or however many it is are still a fraction of what most people need. So if you've had the traumatic brain injury or the stroke or the spinal cord injury, you may need hundreds of visits. How many visits did yeah, you I, have? Yeah, oh, that's where I was going, <laughs> is my insurance policy that didn't have the limit, 
I went five days a week for a year. Wow. I then continued after that for three days a week for almost another year, right? I had hundreds and hundreds of visits, you know, three, four hundred visits right. to, to therapy. Did your insurance company ever say, whoa, 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 that's not what we meant? Did they did they ever question I, your um, your claims? Oh, I, I know the folks at Ability KC had to do a lot of justifying, and I think that's right, right? They had to show that I was still making right. progress. That was the term in my policy was as long as I was making progress that could be, you know, measured and, you know, demonstrated that they would continue paying. And when I reached a point that I wasn't making that progress, right, then right. The, the benefit was over. I think that's fair. And that's frankly how Falling Forward is also set up of we provide money, as Michelle said, right, we make a grant to Ability KC and three other rehab centers. We make a grant. It's essentially a budget. And then they spend that budget. And they decide, right, if a patient is still making progress. And, okay, we'll keep using the money to fund that person. But when that person's progress slows down, when they reach their potential, then we need to invest that money in somebody else and see when they can reach their potential. But... To be clear, you know, on your question, what the insurance benefit is providing is oftentimes a fraction of what people really need. And no one knows this and, and should even know it, right? Why should anyone be thinking about this in their normal daily life? I wasn't, right? I never thought I was going to fall off a wall and be paralyzed. No one thinks they're going to have a horrible car accident. Someone T-boned their car and they suddenly have a brain injury, Right. No one thinks they're going to, you know, out of the blue have a stroke or two strokes. But it happens to real people every day. And so it happened to me, right? My life changed. I suddenly was exposed to all these tragic things. And now through working with Falling Forward, I'm exposed to it almost every day as well. And, you know, it is just the reality of the world we live in that things happen to people, freak things happen to people. That's why Ability KC exists, that's why people go into that profession, become a therapist because they want to help people recover, and they do their very, very best to help people recover, and then boom, it's over when the insurance stops paying. We live in this incredibly rich world. This, this doesn't make sense, in my opinion, right? If you have cancer and you need chemo, you fund chemo as long as somebody needs chemo. If somebody has kidney failure and needs dialysis, you fund kidney dialysis for as long as they need it, right? You can point to, you know, all the different things in medical care that people need, and there aren't limits on them. And then when it comes to this rehab benefit, for some unexplained reason, the insurance companies are getting away with stopping people, right? And... What it's creating is a country filled with disabled people who sit on their couch, unable to go back to work. They sit on their sofa watching TV and game shows, certainly not what they want to be doing, right? They would much rather recover and get their life back and go back to work and provide for their family. And there's this you know, fluke, in my opinion, in insurance that is allowing the insurance companies not to fully pay, for people not to fully recover, 
and their lives are forever changed because of it. Because living with chronic chronic pain, um, chronic issues can definitely be debilitating and, and depressing. And it sounds like the groups you offer, just the the, the support groups Certainly. and you know help with that aspect of your recovery too, because it's not just all about walking again or being able to read and speak again. It's about the whole bringing everything back together after a traumatic, a oh, traumatic event and injury. Right. Because when you think about it, that 20 to 30 visits, that really can only get someone past that post-acute phase. But when you think about a traumatic brain injury or a spinal cord injury or a stroke, progress and, and rehab happens over a long period of time. And studies are showing that it, progress is happening years after their injury. So 20 to 30 visits is only scratching the surface of the potential of each and every patient. Absolutely. And you have the adapting to the home life, the changes that need to happen Certainly. there that are obviously not funded by the by the rehab. So tell us some success stories yes. about yes. calling forward in yes. your partnership with Ability KC. Absolutely. So one one story that we jointly just love is a man named Jason. Uh, Jason and his wife um, Mary live in Kansas City. And Jason enjoys bicycle riding and for years has gone out on, you know, long distance bike rides with a bunch of guys. And one day he's out on a ride. Uh, this is five years ago. He's out on a ride and, you know, his front tire just clips another bike's back tire. Um, he goes flipping over the handlebars of the bike. He's wearing a helmet, but they're going about 30 miles an hour and even wearing a helmet when a brain hits the surface, you know, the pavement at 30 miles an hour, even with a helmet on, you know, it meant serious, serious injury. Jason nearly died from the, the accident. He had a traumatic brain injury, uh, a severe traumatic brain injury. When he, his wife walked into the room, the hospital room, he did not know who she was. He did not know his own name, right? That's how his brain was wiped clean. Doesn't know his name, doesn't recognize his wife. You have nine children. She was pregnant with number 10. He doesn't know he has kids, right? It, his brain is wow. just wiped clean. Five years later, Jason is virtually a full recovery, you know, almost no signs of any you know, lasting disability from the injury. He's back working. He's providing for his family. He's back bike riding. I don't know if I would do that after such an accident. I'm now, a little, now, a little... His wife did ask me to clarify. He now rides a recumbent bike, okay. um, which she feels better about. And I think we all feel better right. about, right? But, but the point is, Jason is back doing all the things that he enjoys and wants to do, right? He wants to be a father to those 10 kids. He wants to provide for them. He's back working um, all because he got a lot of rehab, right? And a, to Michelle's point, a slow recovery process, right. you know, retraining that brain everything to do everything, together. right? Yeah. He had to learn to feed himself, to put his clothes on, to walk, to talk, you know, everything. So, Well, and I remember speaking to Mary, his wife, this wife, mother of nine, who's pregnant, 
getting ready to have their 10th child and talk about visits. Right. I mean, that's insane. Like, she's trying to keep it together from day to day. And I have to talk to her about insurance and the limitations of that. And, she, you know, she was so always so sweet. And sometimes she would be like, I'm sorry, I just don't know what you mean. This doesn't make sense. But, you know, and then we had this, this, I'm like, no, but we have this therapy scholarship. I think, you know, I think you might qualify. And she's like, that's great. Whatever. Whatever we need to do, just do it. <laughs> so, and so we love the Jason story. And um, they're terrific people. Um Another one I want to share is, and this one's a little harder for me to talk about, um, is a young man named Caden. Um, 15-year-old kid, lives in Kansas City. He and two buddies are out driving around in the car. One of his friends was driving. Have this horrible car accident. His two buddies walk away from the car accident with bruises and scratches, but Caden has a spinal cord injury and was paralyzed from shoulders down, right? Parents' worst nightmare there. Right, you know? absolutely. Keep your kids right. in the bubble, don't right, right, let right. them leave the but, house. But again, this happens to kids and adults right. every day, these you know, freak car accidents. It happens to Caden at age 15, right? He has his whole life ahead of him, and suddenly he's paralyzed from shoulders down. Caden... Initially was sent out to Denver to a place called Craig Hospital. Uh, they specialize in spinal cord injuries and brain injuries. It's one of the places we, we actually partner with. Um, Caden initially went there for his inpatient rehab, and then he comes back to Kansas City, and he still needs a lot more rehab, and he's doing his outpatient rehab at Ability KC. And this 15, then 16-year-old young man you know, makes incredible progress. He is truly one of those spinal cord injuries for the record books in how he has recovered. And I brought a picture which, you know, our, we can put our listeners can't see, but, right. you know, this demonstrates how how full Caden's wow. so life he's is now. Standing, he's standing on a, on a stand up paddleboard, paddleboard and, yeah. and standing there and in right. the water paddling. Right, right. Stand up wow. paddleboarding, which... If you've ever attempted it, I attempted it like a decade ago. It's really hard, right? It requires an incredible amount of core strength and balance and all that good stuff. And someone with a spinal cord injury who was paralyzed today can stand up paddleboard. He graduated from high school. He's now a sophomore in college. He recently sent me a picture. He's, I think he's now 18... No, 19 years old. He looks, you know, like a 19-year-old young man in college should look, right? He's living a full life of a 19-year-old. And he wouldn't have without all that rehab and all the things that were done. How many years was he in rehab? Several? Uh, Actually, no. No? His was remarkably fast. Um, He was just over a year in rehab. Yeah, But from paralyzed completely to... To riding a paddleboard and attending college. Right, wow. right, right, right. So it, rehab works, and there's no one in the world that disputes that, right? right? Even the insurance company, right? No one disputes that rehab <laughs> works, that, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, all those things, they, they reverse disability. No one argues that. What they argue with is how much we want to pay for, 
right. <laughs> how much we're willing to pay for. Um, so it, we're working hard to, to get that changed, right? And So how can, that's one of yeah. our regular questions, is yeah. how, how yeah. can the public help? And in addition to, of course, providing financial support to right. your foundation, right. Right. to the scholarship, right. um, you talked about some legislation that you're working on and that you've, you've been to D.C. Yeah, yeah. So, so I... To answer your question, you know, truly the first answer to the question is if anybody out there, you know, is compelled hearing what we're doing and interested in helping financially, it, donations are number one, right? That, And we make a commitment that 100% of dollars that somebody donates goes to rehab. We're an all-volunteer organization. We don't have any paid staff, so our costs are really minimal, so... You give $100, that $100 is going to go to somebody's rehab. Zero is taken out of it. But to your other question, um, the longer-term, bigger solution is a legislative fix. And we started with in Washington, and we started with Medicare. So everybody who's covered by Medicare had the limits, the therapy cap on Medicare, We've made a bunch of trips to Washington, met with many senators and Congress people, um, and taken patients with us. Jason, who I talked about earlier, who had the bicycle accident, um, Jason went to Washington with me and um, you know helped talk to some of the senators and Congress people. To a person that we talked to in Washington, every single one of them, when they heard these stories. When we talked about the math, right, we said, hey, yeah, paying for rehab today is expensive, but think about the long-term math, right? If, if you don't pay for the rehab up front and someone's <coughs> disabled for the rest of their life, you're going to be paying disability to them for the rest of their life. They may need, you know, much more medical care, nursing care, you know, in-home care, right. et cetera, for the rest of their life. So the, the upfront cost of rehab, sure, it, it can be expensive. But compared to 30, 40 years of all those other payments, you know, we started to talk that, and light bulbs went on right, with people in Washington. So our lobbying efforts in conjunction with others two years ago got the, the legislation changed for Medicare, took the limits off for Medicare recipients. So we're thrilled about that. But still, 70% of the population has commercial insurance right. through the big insurance companies provided by your work or you buy it privately. 70% of the world still has that insurance, and those limits still are in place. And we, we got to fight with them. So to your question, how your listeners could help, hey, if any of your listeners know people <coughs> of influence and power at any of the insurance companies and can you know make an introduction, we just want to go talk to them, right? And say, you know, this is what's happening to real people every day because of the limits and, on rehab. And your yeah. argument for saving costs right. make I mean works for them also if you're saving you're saving on the long term long term health care. The healthier right. people are, right. the less the right. less you're paying. Right. So right. so our our mission ultimately is to put an end to this issue, which is a legislative change or getting all the commercial insurance companies to change their policies. It We don't believe that long-term, a nonprofit organization should be paying for people's rehab. Right. Right? And the history on this, very briefly, 
These caps began 20 years ago, so 1997. Mm-hmm. So prior to 1997, there weren't limits on rehab. People fully recovered or recovered to their full potential, right? That term that I used earlier. Why um, were the limits enacted? Is there any history on that? Th- or? There is, um, and it actually began in Medicare. Um, and the the argument was that there was fraud going on, hmm. and you know some people who were being put through rehab who they weren't still making progress, or maybe they never even came for their rehab, but bills were being put through, right? So there was fraud, and, and I, I I don't. I don't think fraud is a good thing. You know, none of us would advocate for, hey, let's have more fraud. But the truth is there's fraud in everything, right? So by putting these caps on, did it really make the fraud go away? Probably not. But when they put these caps on, what it did is, as Michelle said earlier, the people who most needed rehab, the people who needed a lot of rehab for this slow recovery from a brain injury or spinal cord injury, those people are the ones who are hurt the most by these, these caps. Right. Yeah. So, 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 uh, a poor sol- fix to a problem, you know, right. right. Yeah. That ended up with probably unintended consequences. Exactly right. Also exactly that, right. that yeah. type of thing. Exactly right. Go ahead. I forgot to ask you this at the beginning, give the contact information for each of your organizations for people that want to find out more. Um, sure. So you can visit us at www.abilitykc.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at AbilityKC. And we're similar. Uh, our website is fallingforward.org. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to have people follow us and and. We do a lot of joint posts between the two organizations, sharing patient stories and that kind of thing. You um, operate in in, force in Kansas City, Chicago, Denver? Denver and Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do people, so would people find out about you or would they go to, would they go to Lawrence Memorial Hospital or Ability KC? How, how would people get with you if they think they, you know, have a need for for the, the support sure, of the funding? Sure. So ultimately the answer is we do refer people to contact the four rehab centers okay. um, or have their doctor contact one of the four rehab centers to make the referral. Um, but a lot of people hear about us, they visit our website, you know, they contact me and we talk for a while and then ultimately we refer them to one of the four rehab centers. Okay, so, yeah. you, so it can go either way. Yes. You can, yeah. you will refer... Mm-hmm. Refer forward or, yeah. or back it, and forth. And our, our website also explains that. Um, okay. you know, gives instructions on how to, if you want to be considered for mm-hmm. a, a rehab scholarship, here's how you would go about and it. And you yep. started in 2013? 2013. 2013. And you, how and, many people have you served? Uh, just over 100. So we announced just a month ago that we have crossed over 100 people. So there's 100 lives that have been That's changed. Great. And we're thrilled about that. But, you know, it's really just a small fraction of the people who need more rehab. Right. So as soon as we said, you know, we've reached 100, um, then we announced, we said, our focus is the next 100 now. Um, and we're, we're in our campaign for the next 100. Okay. Um, and, you know, trying to raise money now today to help the, that next 100. And when we do that, then we'll move on to the next and time. Do you do primarily just do you do fundraisers? Is it foundations? We uh, most of our <coughs> fundraising is uh, individual okay. donors, 
Um, we've had a couple grants, a couple corporate donations, but mostly individual donations. And uh, honestly, most of those are through word of mouth mm-hmm. and one-on-one contact with people. people um, yeah, that we who, who know people it, who have benefited right. from. We're, we're from this. introduced to someone, and you know, we'll have lunch with them or you know, coffee, and talk about the issue and you know, begin the relationship. And you, usually, it it transpires that way. You mentioned at the beginning, Michelle, that um, several other services that you all have, and we'll definitely have to have you like come back and talk about oh, all of those. But go ahead and, and mention that again, because rehab is kind of the main focus of Ability KC, but you do deal with uh, preschool. Yes, yes. So we definitely um, we have the specialized care for children and adults with Kansas, uh, with disabilities in the Kansas City community. And it, there's such a continuum of care from our medical, therapeutic, educational, and, voca- and vocational services. Um, so we have our therapeutic preschool, which is in the greater Kansas City area, and then our pediatric and ad- adolescent program, um, and then our adult programs that we serve and, and our main campus. But so. we also have specialty programs. We have a driving program. We have neuropsychology services and assistive technology. So it, it's really tailored on whatever that individual needs. So it's a great to just, if someone has a need for any type of, of rehab mm-hmm. or accommodation, just reach out to Ability KC and you right. guys will figure out where to where to stick them to in or to provide them, the provide certainly. the referrals. Yeah, certainly. So if you don't mind, I'll actually give an example. Sure of the driving program. Uh, I personally needed to go through driving therapy after my injury um, to get recertified to drive. And, you know, it was one of the biggest joys for me was getting my independence back, right? Being able to drive the car. But it was eight months after my injury that I completed the driving therapy and got recertified and able to drive a car again. So eight months you know, being dependent on others to transport right. me around, you know, a, at that time, 49-year-old man, right, that you're you're like a kid dependent mm-hmm. on other people. Well, it limits it, where you need to go, it, which absolutely. then leads to the isolation and a- the depression. Abs- and the, absolutely. It's all, it's- so then a, a story about someone else, and this wasn't at Ability KC, it was actually in Denver, but a gentleman who, for a living, he's a big rig truck driver. And... One night he's out, you know, on a on a drive and he falls and has a spinal cord injury and needs a lot of rehab, right? And luckily he was covered by his insurance and he got that rehab and he made a, a great recovery. The only thing that his insurance would not cover was the driving program. Mm-hmm. Working for a trucking company, and they wouldn't play for the driving program. The man, the man is a big rig driver, and he needs the driving therapy to get back to his right. job, and that they would not pay for. And so they used the falling forward funds to pay for that. And I'm like, of course, right? It's <laughs> yeah. the last piece in this man's puzzle right. to get back to his livelihood. Right. right. Yeah. We see that a lot because they can say, well, it's not medically necessary to drive. <laughs> But when that's your occupation, but, but it, of course wanna, it is. If you want to earn a living, it sure right, is. Right. Right. So, yeah. so you know, every crazy. day, all these you know random, crazy, unexpected things happen to people, 
And, you know, thankfully there are great rehab providers like Ability KC that are there to help people. But there are all these gaps in insurance and, you know, we're trying to fill those gaps. Right. And yep. it's great to have the people yep. there behind all of this gap filling instead of yep. it being mechanized and fill out this form and yep. answer all these questions. So that, that's yep. amazing what you yep. guys are doing. Yeah. We have been speaking with Michelle Teets from Ability KC and Sam Porritt from the Falling Forward Foundations. And I'm going to ask each of them to share their contact information uh, once again and feel free to reach out to them for additional information. Yes, so please feel free to reach us at AbilityKC.org or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at AbilityKC. And very similar for Falling Forward, uh, our website is fallingforward.org. And we are also on social media on the same three platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, easy to find. And we'd love to have people follow us on social media. And on our website, all of our contact information is there, phone number, email address, et cetera, if people would like to call or you know have any questions. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks Thank for you. having us. This is terrific. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Good Works in the Heartland podcast. We are currently looking for guests to appear on this show virtually. If you are doing good works in the heartland or know of someone who is, please give us a call at 785-864-4625 or send an email to reader at ku.edu with the contact information and we will schedule a episode of Good Works in the Heartland with your organization. My name is Lori Kessinger. Thank you for joining me. The Good Works in the Heartland podcast is a production of the Audio Reader Network.